Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm your host, Sharnel. And with me in the actual studio is a Patreon and very dear friend of mine, Megan. Hello. I think that your occupation as a judge is going to come in very handy. Just a little backstory on Megan and I's friendship. We first met when she was the prosecuting attorney and I was a CPS worker. That was so, back when we had the dream team. Yes. It was, the, it was a great, great I, I hate to say that was a great time, Megan. Right. It but was really fantastic dealing with all those abused and neglected children. Yeah. Channel, yeah. Thanks. We got to do it together. We did. And that actually helped me survive. Just so you know, you were one of the reasons that I survived that job and lived to tell the tales. So I Was it the appreciate. humor or is it because you're super tiny and I was like bodyguard to you? Both. Excellent. Yes. Perfect. Both. So prosecuting the abuse and neglect cases wasn't always fun, but I'm sure your listeners know what you used to do and that you had to go to court and testify all the time. And so I'll just throw it out there now, but Charnel was one of my favorites, possibly the favorite, because she remembers things and she remembers them accurately and well. Which is how I have my abbreviated notes for my podcast all the time. People always ask me, like, how do you remember all of those things? I'm like, well, when kids' lives depend on it and you have to testify about it in court, you learn how to memorize important shit. Yeah, so now I'm disappointed because I thought you did the whole thing from memory and the fact that you had to use bullet points, I'm like, so I'm going to leave now. Oh, oh, yes. Well, this is a 25-page. Of course, some of our court documents were that long too, though. But Your reports were. That was a little bit more important than just telling the people both stories. So, you know, that's why I was able to memorize. I don't think I usually used notes in court, though. You did not. Mostly because then, you know, I feel like people would hear the wrestling of the paper. It's just distracting. It was So for I you. tried not to for do that. For normal human beings, they get used to looking at their reports <laughs> or notes, but you I have superpowers. Like and I just want everyone to know that you were fondling that kangaroo sack oh, yes. a moment ago so I don't know if I'm, I'm making you nervous or if that's a, a regular thing nope this is I have told my listeners several times that I rub this thing for good luck the entire time I'm podcasting and it's just gotten weird and I have to break some bad habits <laughs> like, right. like rubbing stroking my, your sack yep, stroking <laughs> my sack in front of people is not appropriate Charnel. I'm gonna set it out of reach I mean I don't kink shame so you do what right. you need to do you feel free to stroke it though. oh you're gonna let me touch your Absolutely. sack Absolutely. this is fantastic please tell everybody how soft it is it's very soft it's supple. It's aesthetically pleasing as well. It does yeah. it. I mean, if I do say so myself. I, I honestly am touching this thing and I was going to say it had a good mouthfeel, but I did not. <laughs> I did not put it in my mouth. For the record, no, she did not. Never saw you put it to your mouth. I mean, I'm going to touch it to my cheek now, though. That, see, that's exactly what I did the first, the first time. first time I've ever had a scrotum on my face but before. You, yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyone who knows you is calling bullshit right now. I'm offended. <laughs> Super, like, I'm leaving again. This is awful. Is this how you treat people in your studio? Yes, that's why That's why the other one left. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> why we bring wine. Right. right. Excellent. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, well, the reason that I had to start with giggling and silliness is seriously because this is a horrific case. There's going to be no laughter and fun after we get started with this. It's a... Ch- 
probably one of the worst abuse and neglect cases that I've ever covered on this podcast. So, and that's saying something, but it is a survivor story. Oh, see, I love that. Yes. So there is, there is that. I'm bringing you a survival story, also bringing you a two-parter. So hopefully if I don't scare Megan um, away, she will be back for the second part. I have, we have a safe word, right? Yeah, yeah. Can it be like kiwi? Sure. I was going to suggest it be in Japanese, but fine. Kiwi's fine. So, yeah, because I don't speak that. Anyway, (laughs) that's I see how this is going to work today. Just buckle up, everybody. If child abuse and neglect is not your thing, I will trigger warn you before I give gruesome details so that you can skip ahead. So you can still hear the story without like hearing the details because I will be putting those trigger trigger alerts that I call them because I can never say trigger. Yeah, see, that's a merch thing right <gasps> mm-hmm. there. I know. Trigger alert. Trigger alert. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Got to wet my whistle with some water here and let's jump in. So- Some of you really big true crime lovers, you're going to know about this case, but I'm hoping that between the court records and things like that, that I'm going to be bringing you some new information. Uh, This is the case of Lauren Cavanaugh. Do you remember? That's the child's name, the victim name. So the last name sounds a little familiar. Yeah. It's... Starts in the 90s, the the actual trial, it hit the news and everything in 2001. So it's been quite some time, you know, at, at this point in time. So I felt like it was long enough ago to cover it for those true crime fans that are maybe haven't heard of it or don't know the nitty gritty and whatnot. So, but it's awful. Let's jump in here. Um, so Barbara, she was better known as Barbie Calhoun. Oh, please don't say it. There's something that goes with Barbie? Yeah. Calhoun is her last name. Oh, okay. She does eventually meet and marry Kenneth. I knew it. So this is a case of Ken and Barbie. Oh, God. And their abuse of a child. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. They are the wish version, by the way, of Ken and Barbie. When you see them, you're going to be like, that's not the Ken and Barbie I remember. No. No. They're not great. They're not great. So she was 20. Barbie was 21 years old. And she was already a mother to a toddler when she gave birth to a little girl in April 1993. She named that little girl Lauren. And they the birth happened in Athens, Texas. This is a Texas case. All right. Everything's bigger in Texas. Mm-hmm. In this case, including child abuse. Yes, absolutely. Barbara was not alone in the birthing room. She had her best friend, Sabrina Cavanaugh, in with her. And you see, at the time, Barbie was homeless. She had actually moved in with one of Sabrina's relatives. So that's how Sabrina and Barbie got to know each other. And when she moved in with Sabrina's cousin, I believe is what it was, she was four months pregnant. Okay. And all throughout the pregnancy, she was saying she did not want the baby. She already had a toddler. She didn't have a job. She didn't have a home. And here she is pregnant again, didn't know who the baby's father was, So she was telling all this to Sabrina and Sabrina's husband, Bill Cavanaugh. Well, they were all too happy to say, we've always wanted to be parents. Great. So they wanted, they were going to adopt her. Yeah, absolutely. Like we will, we will do that. A quote from them, actually. Um, Just so you guys know, there's a great book out um, about this case called Girl in the Closet, A Survivor's Story. And... There's lots and lots of different news articles. Everything that I used will be in the show notes as always. But she, um, Sabrina Kavanaugh had said they went over, they talked for many hours with Barbie about 
adoption specifically and whether or not it's a right fit for, for her, if that's really what she wanted to do. Um, Sabrina said that she was very certain, Barbie was very certain that she wanted to give the child up because of all the things that I listed just a minute ago, you know, and that all makes sense. So Sabrina drove Barbie to every medical appointment and actually it was like a three hour loop from Ennis to Ma Bank to Athens to where they like where, where Sabrina lived to where Barbie lived to where the doctor's office was. Okay. Cause she didn't live. Barbie didn't live with Sabrina. She lived with Sabrina's cousin. So she would have to go and, you know, pick them up and do all that. So she did all that transportation or, you know, during the pregnancy and everything. When she went in to deliver and throughout just the prenatal care, the doctors and nurses were very careful with her of, are you sure that you adoption is what you want? And she was certain, like she told all these medical professionals this whole time. Yes, that's what she wanted. Um, and it had to have been serious because they've been having conversations. She's been taking her to all of the doctor's mm-hmm. appointments. So, yeah, absolutely. She would yeah. be thinking that this is going to happen. Yes. Yep. And the Kavanaugh's, Bill and Sabrina, were there the entire labor labor and delivery when Lauren entered the world. Okay. And they tried, the doctors, the nurses, Bill, uh, Sabrina, they all tried to get Barbie to hold Lauren, to talk to her, to look at her. She wanted nothing to do with Lauren from the second that she took her first breath. Okay. So she wanted born, to hold her. Take her out of the room. Yes. Yep. So the doctors and nurses even spent a lot of time with Barbie afterwards. Like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? They had filed paperwork, all that stuff. It's said and done. And Lauren goes to live with the Kavanaugh's. And she lived there for the next eight months with a life filled with joy and love and growth, very importantly, growth. Um, She was typical developing. She was a happy infant until one day the Kavanaugh's receive a phone call from none other than Barbie's lawyer. Lovely. That said. And speaking as a lawyer myself, when uh we call you, no one's happy to hear from you. No, definitely not. She had of course Barbie had filed a petition to get Lauren back all right so they had to have just had at this point in time some type of a placement paperwork through whatever uh, Texas would call the court they hadn't actually finalized any adoption there hadn't been any termination of parental rights voluntarily that had occurred at that point here's the problem Megan there was no paperwork oh no they officially adopted Lauren but what you said of the termination of parental rights yeah. was an oversight of the Kavanaugh's lawyer. He never filed that paperwork. So they went through with the adoption, but the one missing piece was that termination of parental rights. And what ends up happening is it's not Barbie that wants Lauren back. It's Barbie's mom, Doris. Okay. Doris wants. Was, was wants Grandma the, aware? Grandma wants the baby back. Lovely. Okay. So Grandma's and I'm aware saying that, that she wants. I I will give you quotes from Doris, and you're going to understand where my venom and actual mocking of this woman comes from. But yes, she is the one. She was a paralegal. She did her research. Happened to get into the file and notice the missing, the one missing piece, that termination of parental rights. Ah. Uh. It makes me sick because I don't feel like that would happen now. 
No, probably not. I agree because now there's more of a chain of com- of command and events of the paperwork Absolutely. that's outlined a lot better than it was in 1990. Well, think about our terminations, whether it was a voluntary or not, and all of the paperwork that you go through, and the mm-hmm. judge is going through every single thing and making sure you understand. So it wouldn't just be signing a paper that got missed in the file. There'd be a recording. There mm-hmm. would there would be legal uh, a court hearing that had occurred. Yeah. Yep. No, not not back then. They had legally adopted this child, but it's a technicality that ensues. It, it, what happens is when she files this petition, of course, on, really the Kavanaugh's weren't that worried at first because she's their daughter. Right. Legally. Yes. Probably the birth certificate's been changed at yeah. this point. Like they 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 legitimately told Doris had originally called, left a voicemail message saying, Lauren, this is what's funny. Doris called Bill and Sabrina first to say that Barbie wants her child back. Now, why wouldn't the mother be the one to make that phone call if that's how we're doing this? No, it was Doris. And so the Kavanaugh's just simply said, get a lawyer. Because to them, they're like, I might have yeah, said more good, than that. Good luck, you know, right? Yeah. I, maybe she did. It wasn't documented, <laughs> but I, I mean, right? Lawyer. <laughs> I would have too. Absolutely, my daughter, eight months, you know. But the only reason that she had filed this petition is because Doris had already looked through everything and caught that loophole. Then, so she knew that legally they had a leg to stand on, and so and she she did. Um, it took a year. But they eventually do win the custody battle. Oh, who wins? Barbie. Okay. Yep. That does eventually happen. Oh, okay. So Doris Calhoun, let me tell you a little bit about her. Oh, I'd love to hear. She sounds like a nice person. Mm-hmm. Doris Calhoun is actually Barbie's own adoptive mother. She adopted Barbie. I see. Mm-hmm. See, it's making more sense now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she is quoted saying, Barbie had an absolute right to change her mind. A mother who makes a choice to give up a child has not abandoned that child. It's a loving choice. That's a caring choice. It's a wonderful choice. And she is a great, she is a great person to have made that choice. She said that after the fact, after I tell you what happens to this poor girl, this woman, in my opinion, because I'm sure she's She's possibly still alive out there. I don't know. Only the good die young. And true. She's fucking living forever with Barbie, from what I can tell. Cockroaches, Keith Richards, and Doris. Yes. Doris and Barbie. They are going to outlive us all. So what she said there was actually nice. I agree with those statements. A lot of them, right? What a giving thing. Yes. And obviously adoption is something that's dear to my heart. And we worked in that uh, capacity for so long. Yep. But she says this after. Yes. She actually says she is a great person to have made that choice. Yes, you're right, Doris. She was. So why the fuck did you come in and intervene and muddle it up? Because all these things that she's saying, like a mother who makes this choice to give up her abandoned child, that's a loving choice, 100%. So if you're saying that and you truly believe it, why didn't you let your daughter just make that choice? Well, what her problem was is that she felt the minute that those custody papers, the initial custody papers in the hospital were signed, everybody left Barbie. Everyone left her, and and they just wanted to attend to the baby, which Bill and Sabrina are like, well, we had to take our baby home, right? Well, they weren't adopting Barbie. No. 
No. You already adopted her, Doris. Also, Barbie wanted nothing to do with the baby. They are now the caretakers of the baby. What are they supposed to do? Was Doris at the hospital too? Uh, she was, yes. And she that's why she was saying um, the family, this is her actually saying, the family dashed out of the room to see the baby. She sat in her room for 10 or 15 minutes and thought, what have I done? Doris like, thought that? No, Doris that's what is Doris that is saying Barbie thought. You don't know what Barbie was thinking. This is hearsay, Sharna. It is. This is hearsay. It absolutely is. And Doris is is angry at that. So that's when she starts going and digging for all of this. And she calls them and says that, I'm, you know, she's changed her mind. She wants the baby back. And they tell Doris, go get a lawyer. So to Doris, those were like fighting words. Like, fuck do, fine, I will go get a lawyer. She spent $650 getting a lawyer. Wow. I know. It's nineteen ninety three. It's a bargain, it's a deal. It is. <laughs> Six hundred and fifty dollars, huh? Yep. That'd yep. get you about two hours mm-hmm. of a lawyer now. Maybe. It'd get you through the ju- the the door in a handshake. Yes. I where think. we are more expensive than very, very good prostitutes. That, yes. Yes, you are. Bless your all's heart, because we Thank do you. need and, you. We and, do. And but. when you say you, you mean me as in a category. Yeah. Not me. Not you personally. personally. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. Yes. So at first the judge awarded Barbara, um, who is now no longer Barbara Calhoun. She is now Barbara Atkinson because she married Kenneth Atkinson. So at this point in time during the legal proceedings, they are Ken and Barbie Atkinson. All right. So yep. Ken comes into the picture. Ken is in the picture. He Mary's, is not, to our knowledge, biological father. He's not. Nope, no, 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 no. Okay. No, he, that, that sperm's long gone. Yeah. So, well, I mean, one did its job. It, it sure did. And from what I can tell in my research, there have been many of visitors to the Barbie bar. So it's hard to tell who her there, real There were lots of shots. Be. There were lots of shots taken. Yep. Man down. We've all been to this bar. Yes. Yes. We've seen. The damage it can do. We're too old for that now, though. God, yes. Then, at that point in time, so the judge is like, listen, okay, I'm going to award you. They did it kind of at first. They're like, you can have, um, you're going to have primary custody, and the Kavanaugh's are going to have visitation not only on the weekends. Okay, so that was at first. This is about the only time in the court records that you can find where it seems like Lauren had a healthy home life with her biological mother and with her stepdad because the court's still involved. She's still seeing her pre you know, her adoptive parents on the weekends. So everybody's got to stay on the up and up. There's photographs showing birthday parties, wagon rides, moments where Barbara had like was playing patty cake with Lauren. You know, everyone's looking like a happy little family. Again, the court is still involved. And then in 1995, a traveling judge from Houston, Lynn E. Markham awarded permanent custody to Barbie, despite the fact that the Kavanaugh's had had serious concerns for Lauren's safety already. So during the court case, they are having concerns. Yes. Despite the happy pictures and the birthday parties and kind of like when people pretend to be happy on social media. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. That's why my husband and I just make fun of each other. That's how you know our marriage is strong. Excellent. You never find any sappy things about each other. Just post pictures of the dogs. Yes, Trying to mold into his DNA and become one with him. That's yeah. A, that's a different episode. <laughs> it is. 
It it really is. Possibly for a a psychological podcast as well. Oh, that would be fun. Yes. The Kavanaugh's say there were scrapes. There were bruises. Wait, how old is she? So she's two. At this point. At this point. In 1995, she was born in 93. In 95, when he was awarded, or when the biological mother there, Barbie. Barbie and Ken. Barbie and Ken were awarded permanent custody. Okay. 1995. She's about 18 months old. I know for a fact 18 months old is the last time that the Kavanaugh's were able to take her to the doctor. It comes into play later. Okay. You know why I was asking though, right? Because if we were talking about a non-mobile, then those scratches, Mm -hmm. bumps, and bruises aren't normal. Oh, no. Exactly. Well, this is it. There's scrapes, there's bruises, there's fire ant bites. But the most problematic sign for the Kavanaugh's was that when Lauren started kicking and screaming when they were trying to change her diaper. Yeah, I don't like it already. I know. It's going to, it gets really icky. And so a, a quote from Sabrina said that her bottom and legs were bloody red from front to back. She said, I don't think that it's diaper rash. I think that Ken was already sexually abusing her because she would not let us touch that diaper in any way. And this is about 18 months, which was the last time they... They actually last see her at 20 months. But so, yes, this is before 20 months old. This is in 1995 when at the time that they are awarded full custody. And what happened is they took her on their weekend. The Kavanaugh's took Lauren to Children's Medical Center in Dallas for a sexual abuse evaluation. The doctors would not perform it, saying that they cannot do it just based on like a, you're pretty sure that she was sexually abused. They would only do it if they were 100% certain she had been sexually abused. You would have to walk in on it for 100% certainty. Thank you. Because also I'm like, isn't that why you do the test? Yeah, it's kind of the reason. This is how we prove that it happened. And they said that it would be too traumatic on her, so they weren't going to do it. So then the judge physically says in court that them taking the pictures to try to document the sexual abuse was more harmful than any abuse this child was going to sustain from her biological parents. Mother. So they're basically trying to say that it was child sexually abusive material, taking the photograph, yep. even though... Yep. That's more harmful than anything... Actual sexual abuse? Anything that her mom will ever do to her because she is... There's, this is all suspicion. There is no proof. Did anybody look at the pictures? To my knowledge, they did because the problem is Judge Mark Mark Ham got extremely angry at the pictures. He was angry that they were taking the pictures, and he. But he did say that um, there was four. Just so you know, forty five photographs as evidence were submitted into the court over these of all of the of injuries. The, yes. Yep. Exactly. The judge wrote a statement on January 6th, 1995, where he said, which she was born in April 93, so she is under two years old. Um, He said that the Kavanaugh's were clearly the better parents, but to take the child from her birth mother, they had to prove that Lauren would probably be harmed if she was raised by Barbara Atkinson. Quote, the real basis of the Kavanaugh's case rests upon their belief that that the cumulative effect of all their testimony indicates that the child will be injured in the future. He wrote, this is merely a statement of opinion. It is not supported by any evidence. I'd have to say 45 photos is contrary to that remark. 45 photos is actual evidence. Mm -hmm. Yep. Indeed, many children move often, because that was one of their issues, 
she moved around a lot. The the parents they got evicted all the time. Oh, okay. I so thought we were like one of the, talking about mobility. They were actually mm-hmm. Ken and Barbie were yep. moving around. Oh yeah, Ken and Barbie moved every time the rent was due. Oh, okay. okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Super, super healthy for, for the little gal. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people who have to move often because they have monetary problems aren't good parents, but but look at what we're looking at here. Right. We do have evidence. We're that having accumulation of evidence yeah. here to say that this is also going to affect things. So you have something medical. I'm just so, to make this right. clear. We have these medical things. Mm-hmm. Potentially a, a sexual issue that was not ever fully investigated because right. it was denied for whatever yep. reason. And then in addition to that, we have in the Ken and Barbie home instability. Yes. Yep. Also another one of their issues, how dirty the house was. So the judge is like, listen, many children move often, grow up in un- unkept home, receive less than optimal, su- optimal supervision because that was another problem that the Kavanaugh's had. They didn't really keep a close eye on her and have frequent injuries and have some degree of diaper rash. However, the court. Mm-hmm. The, the judge. This is the judge's statement. The judge diagnosed her from the bench with, with a diaper, diaper rash, rash from those p- photos. With uh-huh. no testimony of no. that. No. Ooh, see, no. slippery slope there, Charnel. I know. Oh, it gets worse. He said, however, the court cannot conclude that these conditions will significantly impair the child's physical health or emotional development. Now, this legal standard does still exist, and I'm going to tell you that this Markham, Markham judge, today, after well, after all this breaks in 2001, he says, I really wish that the law could have been interpreted differently, but it, I, I've, it can't, it couldn't be. No, you because interpret it. In his mind, and he literally said, had there been more evidence that was filed by the Kavanaugh's attorneys, the outcome might have been different. No, sir, you literally say in your statement, indeed, many children move often, grow up in unkept homes, receive less than optimal supervision, have frequent injuries, and have some degree of diaper rash. Diaper rash. You did not know if that was diaper rash. You could have ordered the, from the bench, yeah, the, ordered exam. the exam. Absolutely. Yep. So, so you have people who are actually testifying that they believe there was sexual abuse. We have these photographs. It bothers me that there was a medical diagnosis made, unless I'm missing something about expert testimony being given here. There was none. But that was what Markham said. The, the attorney, the Kavanaugh's attorney, did not come forward with expert testimony. Herein lies the problem. The Kavanaugh's tried. They took her for a sexual abuse exam, and the doctors wouldn't do it because there was no court order to do so. They couldn't do it based on you think that this that this is, they heard custody battle, and so they're thinking that this is just their way of trying to get a medical expert, and it was all blown blown off. I firmly believe that they would have found actual evidence. Well, I know we know in hindsight there, she was absolutely being sexually abused at this time. Right. So this is mayhem. So yes, complete mayhem. Mm -hmm. Such a bitch. This should not have happened. Mm -hmm. It should have stopped right there. Right. It never, ever should have allowed. But what's pissing me off is the way that they're passing the buck, right? Well, if the Kavanaugh's attorney hadn't or had filed more legal medical experts and the attorneys are like excuse me but if the judge had said let's look into this more or maybe i don't know denied the petition 
for custody change until Adjourn further. It. Exactly. Adjourn it. Sure can just push it off until more is investigated. There isn't even a CPS investigation about so it. So I was going to ask you that. No. Did they, they never called whatever their DFS CPS they call it, is? They called it Child Protective Services like we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they never called CPS when they saw the um, apparent sexual injuries? To my knowledge, I'm sure the Kavanaugh's did. I couldn't find all of the CPS records. What we do know is that each and every time that CPS showed up to investigate this family, they either wouldn't come to the door and then were gone the next attempt that was made. They moved that frequently. I I mean, they didn't have a pot to piss in. They didn't have anything to their name. They could pick up and go at any time. And there's another incidence where there's a CPS worker knocking on their door and they had the wrong name. They had her by Barbara Calhoun. So Ken and Barbie happen to be coming home from the neighbor's house, see the CPS worker and are like, oh, hey, can I help you? And she's like, yeah, do you know Barbie or Barbara Calhoun who lives here? She's like, oh, nope, we don't know anybody by that name because she was Barbara Atkinson at the time. Oh, God and they just bless her never heart. came back. Didn't ask for their IDs. She, they didn't. That CPS worker didn't even realize that they lived there. They're just walking down the street. Does it so, bother you at all that in there's that CPS investigation that didn't happen? And you know that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Avoid or mm-hmm. evade, I mm-hmm. should say. So when they're at the hospital, did anybody call CPS then? We're talking about mandatory See, reporters here. That's exactly what I thought, too. That's why I was looking for the CPS record that said that this medical staff heard there were concerns for sexual abuse, denied a rape kit or even a SANE exam, okay, which is a sexual abuse exam without the full probing of a rape kit. Right. And... and and, and to mine out, I don't think, no, I do not think that they called it in because there's no records after that. All right. You have to be appropriately angry at how the case has been handled yes, so far. Yes. It is. And it's 1993. So, well, yeah, 95, is. excuse me. So, and even still this today. This is 1895. No. I mean, there was still, we had a lot of scientific means at that point and a, a, a thriving legal system. We did. Yes. With rules that we with followed. With rules. Laws, yeah. people. It was the year I graduated from high school. It wasn't that long ago. Right? Oh, uh, shit. Maybe it was. Well, it was a bit. I'm not calling you ancient, Shut but you, it was a bit ago. You'll be there soon. I know. Some time has passed. Um. The other thing is, though, I'll say even today, Megan, Texas child protection law is not what Michigan's child protection law is. It is very different. Ah, so they're missing some state lawsuits. There's some yes, federal yes, state lawsuits. we just need yes. That's what happened to Michigan, and it yes. worked like a charm. It, now it kind we can of protect did. our kids. Yeah, you mm-hmm. had a time frame to get our Absolutely. shit together as a state I and know, as that's a prosecutor. When I came into CPS. It was so you came in at the right time because mm-hmm. I mean you had your shit together. But prosecutors at that time, man, we really had to start um, upping our game in mm-hmm. terms of uh, what we were doing in, in prepping our um, CPS workers, and then your investigations just got better, so yeah. much better. So. So that's not something that had occurred in Texas, to your knowledge. No, no. I only know that because I had a really bad case come through that originated in Texas. So I had long conversations with CPS workers from Texas. 
Uh, thank you for sharing. There is lots of... Send them to Michigan. Lots of... Yes, exactly. Like, thanks. Next time, can they go someplace else? I hear Nebraska's great this time of right. year. And no offense to Texas. I'm sure it's lovely, and the San Antonio area is beautiful. It is. It absolutely is. I like Houston. But, yeah, but their child... Just their laws in general, their child protection law in general, is not as strict as, as Michigan is. So... Okay. The last time that, yeah, so as, as I said, sorry, backing up a little bit, as I said, the Markham guy's like, yeah, you know, your attorney, Kavanaugh's attorney never provided uh, evidence or expert testimony and uh, that Lauren's scrapes and bruises were evidence of child abuse. And if the ter- attorney had, his decision would have been different. That's the hill he's dying on. Okay. After the fact. So the last time that the Kavanaugh's see Lauren was the day after Christmas, 1994, Okay. So they don't get to see her after the judgment is made on January 6th, 1995. She was 20 months old. At that time, Barbie had given birth to her third child. She had broken up with her husband, Kenneth, and she'd moved out of her mother's house. The Kavanaugh's met Barbie in a Walmart parking lot in Jasper in East Texas. Sabrina Kavanaugh, with Lauren on her hip, walked to the door of Barbie's pickup truck she handed her a piece of paper with phone numbers. She kissed Lauren on the phone forehead and let her go. She looked at Barbie with her eyes pleading and said, if you ever change your mind, it doesn't matter where you're at, call, collect, whatever, I will come and get her at any time. But what the Kavanaugh's did not know is that when they pulled out of that Walmart parking lot, Barbie returned to the Walmart parking lot to park in the back to stay in the truck because that's where her and the kids were living. Okay. How I'm, did I? How was it that she came to be there anyway? The Kavanaugh's to visit Barbie at the Walmart parking yeah. lot. Yeah, because they were still they still had. This is the day after Christmas, right before. So the they are hearing. still in some contact. Well, they still had their weekend visits. Oh, I this is the that. last time up until that January sixth hearing where he awards full custody. Okay. They still had their weekend visits. So this is like the last this is visit. Their last she turns visit. the little one over, and then she drives back behind Walmart where she's living. Yep. Never, never occurs then, to Barbie to ask for help at this point, right? Correct. She's not asking for help because Sabrina later said that she knew that Barbie was going to abuse her. She knew that she was not bonded with Lauren. And when she asked her that last visit, this is the last weekend visit that they get before that January 6th hearing, she asked her, like, why do you want her back? Why, it, here you are with three kids now. You just moved out of your mom's home. She wouldn't tell anybody where she was living because she was living in her truck. So she's like, why do you want her back? And her response is, my mom spent too much money getting her back. I can't give her up now. Good God, how did this not come up in court? I don't know that they would have even, that they were even believing anything that the Kavanaugh's were saying because they were like seeing, it. they were being seen as just this, evil family that was trying to rip this girl away from her biological mother at this point in time. Can you imagine? The, and as I told you, the legal Not fees were I love 650 her. Well, $650. Yeah. My God, if you weigh that mm-hmm. in one hand and the love for a child in another, I could see where you might get confused. Yeah. Insert sarcasm. <laughs> right. God. Exactly. Okay. I mean, we may have heard similar things, honestly, yes. in, our, in our own cases. We, we do have dumber reasons. I firmly believe that every termination trial I went to, the parents didn't really want their kids back. They just did not want to lose to the government. 
That's that's how they saw it in their eyes. I agree. Some of them. Now, I had had a we had a few that we went through all the way where I think that they genuinely loved their children. They just couldn't be the ones to do it. They yeah. needed the court to be the bad guy, which yeah. we were happy to do, right? right? But for the, I guess the the most of them, the great majority. The people who were voluntarily surrendering, voluntarily terminating their parental rights because they knew they just couldn't do it. They yeah. couldn't get off the substances. They right. couldn't get away from the abusive relationships. That's um, a totally God, Those people love their kids and they, they are do. hard. But that's the hardest decision to make. They love them enough that they have to give them up because they can't make get themselves right. Her, she, uh, Barbie is sitting here in a situation of just, well, my mom wants me to have this kid back and she spent $650 on it, so I guess I'm gonna. Where's Doris at this point? Well, that we will get to later. Okay. Doris is going to piss you off even more here in a little while. Excellent. You know we like getting <sighs> Megan pissed off. We do. So. We do. So Sabrina and her husband, Bill, tried everything that they could think of to find Lauren after they have to let her go that night. Okay. And after her, they no longer have their weekend visitations and the, you know, the rights are fully given back to Barbie, but they couldn't get any information. She's just vanished. They called Doris for information, and the answer was very short. You lost her in court. Just let it be. That's all Doris would tell them. They hired a private investigator, but he came up empty because literally she's homeless. That's why the private investigator came up empty. She's couch surfing. Doris wanted Barbie to get this child back so badly she then kicks her out of her home and won't let her come stay there or Bar- she left no barbie left okay yeah barbie left but doris knows this right so at what point do you not realize doris that maybe your grandchild might be better in a stable home than with your daughter who she later recognizes has some serious issues oh cool yeah. <laughs> good timing doris right <laughs> you've been very helpful right and, and why didn't doris file for custody right could have I had that thought, too. She could have. If you wanted this child in your family so bad, why didn't you then? A technical error is a technical Mm -hmm. error. She could have filed for custody the same as anybody else could have at that point. Yep. Yep. All right. Keep going. They couldn't find her. They did continue, though, to buy Lauren every birthday and Christmas gifts. They bought her Barbie dolls. And I'm clutching my heart. She, she is. Yes, they bought. They. I, I wasn't sure if you were stroking out or what was going on over there. Yeah, they continued. I think all I told you. Years. Please record my death if it happens here. <laughs> I want. I want to play later. We we will only for a special audience okay. though. Her, her bedroom remained untouched for years with the gifts that they bought her, just in case she ever got to come home that they could give her. They moved from Ennis, Texas to Canton in 1999 when Bill retired after 35 years in the the glass company in, oh gosh. Do the whole sentence again. Say it faster. Uh, Bill retired after 35 years at a glass company in Waxa, oh. Spell it. I got to hear. Waxahatchee? Waxahatchee. Waxahatchee? You know it? No, I made it up. (laughs) It's spelled wax. It has to be Waxahatchee. It has to be. Is it in Louisiana? No, it's, it's still on the Texas. border, I guarantee you. Probably. <laughs> so it's still it's wax, then the word wax, W A X A H A C H I E. Wax. It's, it's gotta be waxahatchee. Waxahatchee. Gosh, our I'll southern listeners, let this. me know. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to your southern listeners. Oh, they know. I I butcher it all the time. They've wrote me and said that they think it's funny. Like I'm not making fun of y'all. I love your accents. They and make I fun can't. of us because we say milk. Yeah, we do, though. I know we do. It's true. And, and, and refrigerator. <laughs> refrigerator. Really fast. Right. 
We do. There's a lot of other things that we really fuck up too. So it's all good. All right. So the Kavanaugh's, they're moved. You know, Bill, he is six foot two. He's like a cowboy. All right. He liked to fish and hunt. Doris kind of, she was a big John Wayne fan. She had photos of Lauren around their house. And as they struggle to kind of keep their Lauren's memory alive, literally in the same token, her biological mother, who just fought so hard to get her back, spent those years forgetting all about her. I'm going to tell you that Barbie Atkinson ends up having Lauren for a total of six years after the judge awarded her full custody in that Ennis uh, County Court. Okay. In that time, Barbie marries twice, divorces twice, reconciles with Kenneth Atkinson, so they are once again Ken and Barbie wish version. I like it. I'm glad they're happy. Who was a carpenter but unemployed all the time. She also was unemployed all the time. She had given birth. So what was her profession? All I know, she liked to frequent honky-tonks. There is never, she was always on unemployment. They got food stamps. Okay. You know. And again, know lots of people who are fantastic parents who do this. Absolutely. But consistency's an issue. Yes. They've had no contact at all. They're not properly caring for these children. Okay. How many are there now? Well, there are, that's what I was getting to. She oh, gave birth to perfect. two boys and a girl. So she now has is an unemployed mother of six. They have four different fathers. So I'm sure that there might be some child support there. I or hope not. so. I don't know. She doesn't know who Lauren's father is. So that's a problem. I don't know. She knows who the other fathers are. Well, I'm surprised are. they this... didn't order child support from her previous adoptive parents. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. She um, she moved every time rent was due. Again, I mean, people can have lifestyles like this and still be good caregivers. And the fact of the matter is, is that I don't want to say they were good caregivers to the other five children, but they certainly did not treat the other five children the way that Lauren gets treated. So they, like I said, they moved a lot. Um, they lived in a mobile park home near Longview, a couple of places in Waxahachie. And finally, they end up in a filthy mobile home in Hutchins, Texas. And at each move, it seems as though Lauren's life got worse. But it was the mobile home in Hutchins where everything goes down. This is where I'm going to give a very, very big trigger alert to, like I said, it's a survival story, but some of the things I have to tell you are going to be graphic and disturbing. This is where you hold on to your tits. Yes, this is where we we titty grab. Okay, each other. I don't, my together. arms aren't yeah. that long, but I'll Mine give it are. a shot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I feel so comforted right no. now. <laughs> Put your hands back on your own and <laughs> explain. And let's what go. What, let's get on with the show. Um, so I'll tell you, the neighbors of Ken and Barbie did take notice that. Barbie was gone a lot, and she'd be leaving the house, boasting her voluptuous breasts. She liked to frequent the honky tonks, but she is left. there a picture? <laughs> yes, honey. Okay, you don't want to see it. No, I do. You said voluptuous breasts, so now I, I have to know. No, it's not anything that you're. They were knee knockers, you oh, know. But well, I mean, gravity. Uh, gravity sucks. Four kids. She's she's six. She had six kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good but God. She. I'm painting a picture here. Yeah, I'm getting the picture, but she's leaving. But she's leaving and Ken is staying. So Uh. the neighbors are noticing. And the neighbors are like, dang, he's like always doing stuff with these kids. He's always, you can always see him 
outside with the kids when they're riding their bikes. You know, he's changing diapers. He's attending to boo-boos. He's feeding these children. Like This is all good so far. Right. So the neighbors are just like, they are literally like, we don't know why Ken puts up with Barbie. Because she be gone all the time. Ken needs to leave Barbie for Midge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Remember Midge? I do. The saucy redhead. (laughs) Set in a room full of blondes. I know. Oh, we have redheaded friends, though. They're great. So scary, but uh great. Terrifying, but super awesome. And listening right now. So hi. Hi. I was going to say hi to her by first name, even. Yeah, she's she's coming on um, Sunday. Ooh. She's going to be on a two-parter on Sunday. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. There'll be so many swear words. They There will be. So the viewers will, or the listeners will get to know her. Perfect. Our saucy redhead friend. We don't really know why Ken does what I'm about to tell you that he does. Okay. I can tell you. This is still the trigger my, alert? Yes. In my own personal opinion, I don't think that Ken just suddenly grew a soul. Okay. I think that he figured out that Barbie was skirting around behind his back and he got sick of it. So he decided to tell the neighbors, there's something that I need to show you inside the trailer. And this poor neighbor that he picks was a woman named, again, I keep looking at you instead of my notes and I'm doing this by memory. So you are. So nice to have someone in the studio. I'm batting to look my at. eyelashes at you. It's and amazing. Licking my lips. <laughs> yes, it's, you it's, are. Well, there's wine on them. It's the wine. It's tasty. So he picks Janine Rivers, his neighbor, to to tell his dirty little secret to. Oh, God. And says, okay. "There's something that I need to show you inside the trailer." So they're all outside. This is June 11th, 2001. Our friend Jason's birthday, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. But June 11th in Texas is like the devil's armpit. Mm -hmm. Hot. No, it's hotter than, yes, than the devil's armpit. Just smoking. And it's smelly. I don't know that it's any lower than the armpit yet. I feel like August is more like the devil's groin. That is where you get into the, you know, famunda. Oh, yeah. Of the devil. Right. August. Yeah. Yeah. Come in and smell something, Janine. Yes. Well, that's a big part of this, as a matter of fact. Yep. So he's like, listen, all their kids are outside riding bikes. And he's like, he seemed really, really stressed out and disheveled. And he's like, he looked like he couldn't wait to get something off his chest. So she chatted away and she followed him down the hallway into the master bedroom of their trailer. He scooted over a basket of overflowing clothes. And then he took a few hangers off the doorknob of the closet and swung the closet door open and says... Hi, Lauren. No, no. Nope. What what Janine Rivers said is what she saw was a monster, a little bitty monster. And she says this in court, in the court testimony. She said that Lauren's hair was so frail and without color. Her arms appeared to be no bigger than an inch wide. She was naked. Lauren looked up but did not speak. One eye was crusted shut and had a yellowish-green goo on it, pink eye. And the other was partially closed. Her skin was pale and lifeless. And Rivers said in court, she's ashamed of it, but it scared her. What she saw scared her, and she didn't reach down and grab the child and run like in hindsight she feels like she should have. But to be fair to her, that would be a terrifying sight. It would be terrifying. You wouldn't know what to do. What would your reaction have been? I honestly, Megan, I don't know. You've got the perpetrator who you know is responsible. Yeah. 
a, a big part of the responsibility of doing this said, to her. You know what my response would have been, and this is why it's good that one, I don't live in Texas, and two, that I don't get in these situations. I would have assaulted that man. Well, she was this her. What she did is she was like, "Why is she naked? Do why you, is she in the closet?" Right. He, she asked that, do, and then she said, "Do you hug her? Do you hold her? Do you feed her? Does she know she's loved?" Oh. And Kenneth said, "I do when Barbie lets me." So then he closes the closet door, but he is standing so close to the woman, this woman, he has to actually physically wrap his arms around her to close the door. Fucking creepy. Exactly. So I think for her, well, she was she's terrified. scared. Yes. And so. Is she going to get out of the trailer? That's what I would right. also be thinking at this point. Me too. Me too. Am I going to be locked in something next? Did he lure me? We are now in the back of this trailer in the master bedroom. I see what he's capable of doing to this child. Am I next? Yes. So these neighbors had to have seen him outside being the father of yes. the year with five children. Yes. But they didn't realize there was another. We're getting to it. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So she actually testified that it was worse than what she has seen in pictures of a Holocaust victim. She said that she's never seen anything that bad before. And she started to remember the first time that she met Ken and Barbie Atkinson. He introduced her to five of his children and made a vague reference to a girl named Lauren. He said that Lauren lived with her father, and later, during a joint family cook-off, cook-off, no, they were not, it wasn't a cook-off, it, it was, was not a, a chili cook-off, no, the it prize was a cook-out. in the closet. Yes, it was a cook-out, not Great. a cook-off. Rivers jokingly asked at, uh, Kenneth how, so Joni asked Kenneth how he managed to feed all of his kids, and he replied, food stamps. Okay. And then launches into a story about Lauren, who he referred to as the ghost child. He called her the ghost child? Yes. So then Barbie shoots him a look that Rivers, Mrs. Rivers, had caught and was like, wait, what was that all about? So then Lauren goes on, or Lauren, excuse me, Barbara goes on to explain that Lauren ate compulsively. And so when she would come to visit, they would have to lock up the cabinets and refrigerator because she would roam the house at night wolfing down all the family's food. And she said she was like a ghost child because of the way that she'd roam in the night. That was the story that he made up to cover up. Ken making a vague reference to her being a ghost, the ghost child. I think that's just so how far detached he was. I mean, this kid is not his at all. Nope. And he's sexually abused her when she was an infant. Mm-hmm. And, Toddler. And, and further, and I'm sure and you're going to get to that, right? We are. We are. Uh, there's not enough wine in this room. I just feel like I need a refill, mm -hmm. but I'll wait a minute. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I still have a few more sips. <laughs> so. Ghost child. Oh, she even said, she told this story, this weird story to the neighbors about how they found her in an empty trailer nearby once eating, sitting on the floor, eating in the dark, eating dry ramen noodles and everyone Charnel, just what if these things are true oh no i think she's they starving are and locked in a closet and she might have been eating dry ramen noodles in somebody else's trailer or she might have just been doing it in their trailer and yeah wanders mm -hmm. the home at night trying mm -hmm. to get in to eat food because she's starving to death well later we get to that's exactly why they end up locking her in there because she would wander around at night to get food because she was being starved fantastic yes but that makes her a bad girl to a Fucking heinous nutsack like Barbie Atkinson. Is she eight at this point? Because you said she was with her mom for six years. Yes. And she, she so she's eight. eight. She is eight at this point. Yeah. 
as Mrs. Rivers is like recalling all this stuff, she realizes the whole time that they were at that family cookout, Lauren was literally in the next room starving to death. She calls 911. The police arrive. The detective sergeant um, Landers of the Cockrell Hill Police Department. Probably Cockrell, but I like how you said it better. I prefer to say Cockrell. Emphasis on the cock. Yeah. Always emphasis on the cock. My husband would agree. But he led the criminal investigation against Ken and Barbie. And he remembers every detail, which I totally understand that. I do from my worst ones, too. He said that there were officers from at least three other police agencies that came into the home, you know, collecting evidence, all that stuff. It smelled like a filthy litter box. It looked like a homeless camp. There were piles of dishes with rotting food, mounds of moldy clothes, toys and stuffed animals strewn everywhere. The detectives took notes of the cabinets that were packed with graham crackers, macaroni and cheese, bags of bread and tubs of coffee. The refrigerator was stocked with the most important things, Coors Light and a few carton of eggs. In the freezer. And milk. Milk. In the freezer, there was a chicken and a ham that sat on a shelf next to two packages of microwavable enchiladas. He said there were a lot of food there was a lot of food in the refrigerator and fast food boxes everywhere. So people were eating. And Barbara sure wasn't missing any meals. Is that what he said? Yes. I freaking love I him. I love it. I love yes. it. Yes. Perfect. And he's right. She absolutely wasn't. Okay. And here, and what got the detectives the most is that they found tons of dog food for the dogs. No. Not only that, but dog vitamins. They were treating their dogs better than Lauren. Now, they did find what we usually find on these raids. It was always my favorite thing to find. Porn. Box of sex toys. Sex toys. Yes. Of course. But there was no direct evidence of sexual abuse or drugs at that point in time. Really? Yep. They did seize a a wooden paddle and a book called 101 Activities for Children in Tight Spaces. No. I am not shitting you. Which I'm assuming is maybe a book they got because they lived in a mobile home and had six kids, so every space was tight. Yes, but, but if you can, the if you irony. can see me smiling right now, right? Like mm-hmm. for Christmas, did Doris get them that? Right for Christmas this year, you get a Barbie dream house, and mm-hmm. you get a book on what to do in the closet. Yes, exactly for the child who can't read because <sighs> she's eight years old and has Never been, been locked away. No, of course not. She's been locked away this whole time. Oh my God, I have so many more questions now. Though, I know, right? but I'm going to get to okay, it. Don't good. worry. Mm-hmm. So eventually the officers make their way to the bedroom closet. They remember two things about that closet. The smell and the first step. It was carpeted and the urine just squished up all the way around the officer's shoes. There wasn't a dry place that they could find that was not soaking their shoes that wasn't soaked with body, the bodily fluids and there was feces smeared everywhere. They did collect that carpet for evidence to show the jury, which is awesome. And also the most disgusting job that anybody had to do, and I feel so bad for them. Well, Mm. I think we've learned that you need to have the most obvious direct evidence possible. We have. Since obviously medical uh, pictures pictures don't work. Pictures aren't going to do it. No, so here is dripping urine-soaked, fecal-soaked carpet, Mm -hmm. and everybody look at this and smell it. Also, the closet door, because of all the scratch marks that were on the inside of it, showing how much she had tried to get out. You are goddamn right I would bring that door in and lay it right there in front of them. Sure would. Heck yeah. That was the first thing the detectives told 
his officers to take. I like it. Was the closet door. I like this guy already. Yep. Can I send him flowers? Is he still around? You know, I don't know if he is, but if he, we should send him a very nice Facebook message if he is. Absolutely. There was a, a lot of really good detectives on this sack. case. Yes. Here's a kangaroo's stress, ball sack. Stress relief. To show you how much we love you. Nothing says love like balls. Well, for sure. That I mean, my Patreon knew that that's exactly how to show me love, was to give me the scrotum sack of a wild animal. <laughs> so Not sure what that says about you. But oh, I know exactly what it says about <laughs> me, so and I'm I, okay with But I was being this. nice. <laughs> I know. Detective Landers um, was another detective on the case, and he took statements from Barbie and Ken. And figured out that basically it just started out with Barbie just putting Lauren next to her on a floor on a pallet at night. But when Lauren would get up and get out and go in the other room, you know, do stuff that toddlers do. Barbie started putting her in the closet with a gate across it. And then when Lauren got old enough to push the gate down, then she just started shutting the door. It's like this escalation of like of events okay can i ask is this a walk-in closet like can an adult go in it or is this like a typical in a trailer which i've been in right you go in and there's like the sliding door or the accordion door and if there's like what three feet of space it was three it was three by five fantastic i don't math well but that's what mm-hmm. makes <laughs> yes. sense to me so this is why we're in the professions that we are yeah right we don't math well so Ken just mostly blamed his wife for the abuse and said that it had gotten worse after she had a miscarriage and fell into a depression. Blah, blah, blah. Keep talking out of your sphincter. Ken, we really don't give a shit. Because Lying through his what? Yeah, yeah. Sphincter. Lying through his taint. Uh, I like was, taint better. He really, I, I don't even know that that's good enough for him because. This was full on sphincter he also, lying. He also denies sexually abusing her. And so does Barbie. But we'll get to the most horrific discovery that they made that I've ever had to say on this podcast as more than enough evidence that this girl was sexually abused. Okay. So, and I will give a trigger, trigger alert on that before. Um, So she's rescued from the closet on June 11th. She had more than two dozen cigarette burns and puncture wounds across her back and face. Her hair was lice infested, almost translucent, and her esophagus was clogged with feces, carpet fibers, and plastic. Her esophagus. Mm -hmm. Because she had been eating those things. Yes. As part of it. She has an eating disorder. Uh, Obviously. Mm -hmm. Starvation Mm -hmm. being one of them. Um, So Ken knew that the police were coming, obviously, because, you know, he showed his neighbor her. So he called his mom for advice, sent the five children um, that were ranging in age from one to ten. One years old to ten years old. The other five children. He sent them to the Rivers' house. Okay. And he let Lauren out of the closet, dressed her in jeans and a striped sleeve bolo shirt, and made her some, I believe it was macaroni, oh, SpaghettiOs, sorry, made her some SpaghettiOs. So about six o'clock when the police officers show up, um, that's how they find her. And the address of the trailer was 16 Moonbeam Road. They actually had Mr. Rivers go in first in hopes that he wouldn't, that Ken wouldn't escalate and then not allow a search because they don't have the warrant yet. They're just responding to Mrs. Rivers' phone call. Okay. So he goes in first. He's a friendly, you know, he's a neighbor, friendly guy. And it works and he allows the officers to come in without the warrant. But the officers are looking for an eight year old girl. They look right past Lauren sitting. Does she look like a toddler? She's 25 pounds. Oh, son of a 
bitch. And she's eight years old. Okay. So, of course, she hasn't, she has not grown since she was two years old. Can she even walk? No. Couldn't even sit she's, herself she's up. She's sitting just, in a closet. Yes. She couldn't even hold herself up. So she's slumped against the back of this chair and they think that it's a toddler. So they're like, where's Lauren? And Ken's like, well, she's right here. The police officer, Gary McLean, actually said he thought she was three years old. And so he immediately says, you know, where's Lauren? And then he walks over and he's like, hi, you know, I'm Officer McLean. I'm here to take care of you. She smiled. She smiled at him. Firefighters, EMTs, the sheriff's department all show up. Lauren's vital signs were normal, but she was complaining of a backache and bugs in her hair. Which, you know, were which she did. Very bad. Yeah, lice, lice really bad. Now they asked, this part is going to break your heart. They asked her what her age was, and she held up two fingers and said two. And later when they asked her why she believed that she was two, she said, because that's how many birthday parties I've had. Oh. She was eight. I know. Then she asked them if um, she could go to the potty because they don't ever let her go. Right. Yeah. She didn't want to sit on the carpet anymore. Mm-mm. Yep. So they, they had lived at that mobile home at 16 Moon Road. I think I said 16 Moon Road or whatever. Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Yeah, whatever the fucking address was. Yeah, 16 Moonbeam Road for a year. So nearly all that entire year, Lauren was locked in the closet. Oh, and I'm sorry. It was four feet by nine feet deep. Oh, my God, we're off by a foot. Yes, well, but there's also junk in there with her. Well, sure. It's not like she had nine feet of, of space here. She slept and went to the bathroom in there. When she was rescued, her bottom and her legs were red and peeling from sitting in her own urine and feces. Um, she was covered in linguno hair, which is like a downy layer of hair that infants have. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's childbirth, the little bit of hair they have on them sometimes when they're born. Yep, but it's also a sign of starvation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, your body starts to grow hair to keep itself warm, right? Since Mm -hmm. you don't have fat. Yep. Let me see your arms. So. I just wondered if you had any. I don't have any fat. I have very, well, look at though, I do have very thin, like very fine Barely oh, any hair. Like a very. There. I'm petting Charnel, by the way. She She's like a very soft chimpanzee. <laughs> I am. There's like no. It's so weird, and it's very blonde. My eyelashes are super blonde too. Yes, I will note for the record that you do not have hairy black. No, arms. it's like it's, it's, it's weirdly blonde. fine and blonde. It's yeah. weird. So moments later, they wrap her up in a fireman's coat. They carry her out to the ambulance, and she said, "Um, they like all the EMTs and said." EMTs and police officers said that the thing that surprised them the most is that, like, she wasn't shell-shocked or timid at all. She seemed to be, she was just, like, looking around and was really calm. Of course, she didn't have separation anxiety from, like, where are you taking me? You know, she had absolutely no bond whatsoever, which we've seen in other cases of captivity where they do have moments of panic of, like, where are we going? Just take me back. You know, Stephen Smith felt that way. Yes. And he, or, or their bondage, there'd be abuser, abuser absolutely. Right? Because sometimes they Stockholm show them syndrome. love, it. Mm-hmm. absolutely. But this yep. was just none of it. No, she was just completely just like, hey, what are we doing here, guys? Yep, no, no. Just but happy her, to not be in the closet. Her brain had atrophied. Oh my. Yes, that is is a big reason why she had absolutely no expression, had absolutely no idea. The fact that she could say as many words as she could is a pretty big miracle, but. It's because 
and a trigger alert just for a heartbreaking detail. They played country music very loud right outside of the closet door, which taught her language. That's what she taught language from. But they played it so that people couldn't hear her screams. The nurses were waiting for Lauren when the ambulance pulled up into the Children's Medical Center. She was taken into the exam room. Doctors were listening to her lungs, taking blood, you know, all of that stuff. And the nurse tells the detectives she's got a lot of internal problems. We think that her body is trying to shut down and die. She had gained two pounds in the six years that she'd been living with her mother. Her last known visit to the doctor was with Bill and Sabrina Cavanaugh, and it had been when she was just 18 months old. Was this possibly when they thought that she was being sexually abused? Uh, Yes, it was. And at that appointment, she weighed 23 pounds. When she was admitted to the hospital the night she was rescued on June 11th, she weighed 25.6 pounds. So doctors and nurses at the Children's Medical Center wept in the hallways after examining Lauren's skeletal and scarred body. Even in a hospital full of sick and injured, injured children, the damage was shocking. We had seen abuse cases before. But of course, nothing to the extent we were learning as her story unfolded, said the play therapist who actually worked with Lauren during her five-week stay in the hospital. She said you could definitely see her in her eyes that she had a spirit that was amazing. And it was just really hard to know that human beings could have treated her that way. Lauren begged for food when she arrived at Children's, but doctors were afraid to give her much because she'd been starved for so long that her stomach lacked the enzymes needed to digest food. Sure. So, so feeding tube, NG tube, all of yes, that good stuff. Yes. Or even, a, even the, the, yeah, the feeding tube that goes they through did your a, stomach, Yep, right? they did a feeding tube, okay. yeah. Um, a big meal eaten by someone who's severely malnourished can lead to a huge bat of medical problems, including heart attack. Okay, so just the shock. Yes. And then obviously maybe potentially perforation and stuff like that because your digestive tract doesn't know what the fuck it's doing For anymore. For sure, because it's, yeah, it doesn't have to do it. It's lacking all the good bacteria. It has none of the good and enzymes. And she's been ingesting freaking carpet with whatever oh, chemicals right. and urine and feces, feces. for the past mm-hmm. year. So this syndrome is actually, it's actually a condition called refeeding syndrome. And we discovered it during when prisoners of war were released after World War II. Okay. And that's what she had. So she was fed, you know, intravenally at first. Then solid food was introduced in tiny meals several times a day. And, and she's it, starving, right? She's, yes. she's starving. She's, she's so hungry. She's so hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, the supervising pediatrician was Dr. Susan Scott. When she walked into the emergency room, she said, you know, when I first approached Lauren, she was lying on the bed. She was very quiet and withdrawn, very small, obviously malnourished. And she had difficulty sitting up. She couldn't stand. She was very, very thin and emaciated. Her hair was broken and sparse. She had sunken eyes, hollowed cheeks. Several teeth were missing in the front. And by the next morning, when she went to go see her again, she had perked up just from the IV um, fluids and nutrition. Hydration, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing what it does for your skin. And she said she had such a jovial spirit. Which I just thought was uh, amazing. Like, she's smiling and at these people. That's a couple people that have said that now. Yes. They can see it in her eyes. Yep. Or they can And, the, and that she just it. has this this spirit. And they're, like, they were astounded by how she's smiling. Here she is smiling. Because I think for the first time ever, she felt like there's people who care about me here. They're treating me well. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever. Um, now, I'm going to give you 
the biggest trigger alert I've ever had. This is a horrific statement that I have to make that's evidence to her sexual abuse. So skip forward if you do not want to hear it, but it's going to tell you the extent of what happened to this girl. And the reason that I, I, sometimes I skip over detail, gruesome details like this, but in this case, I'm not going to because of the fact that her, that Barbie and Ken later deny, even knowing that this girl's body looked like this, they deny sexually abusing her. But she, the doctors discovered that she had an injury that they had never seen before called rectovaginal fistula. Yes. I know exactly what that is. Yes. So if you guys don't know, her abnormal or her genital area was very abnormal. She didn't have a separate vagina from an anus. It was just one large hole. Right. The rectum was literally emptying through mm-hmm. her vagina. It was. Yep. Because she had been so significantly and severely sexually abused. That it just it tore through the tissue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Exactly. That injury did require a series of reconstructive surgeries. She had a temporary colostomy bag for a while, but that wasn't even their most immediate concern. Their most immediate concern is the malnourishment. They had to even get her out of the malnourished state before they could operate on the reconstructive surgeries. So if that doesn't make you hate Ken and Barbie, there's nothing on this planet that will at this point in time. No, no, the the only thing I'm thinking at this point in time is... Is there death penalty for a non-capital case in Texas? Right. Please tell me someone just took all their taints. Just tell me. Can we do the same thing to that? Like, why is that not a thing? Tell me, judge. Why can we not issue the same punishment that they gave their victims? Yeah, so there, there's a legal code there. And <laughs> we're not supposed to go back from to an eye to an eye, eye for an eye. Oh, this but, isn't uh, the medieval times? No. God damn it. Nope, but I can think of I have another suggestions, however. <laughs> yeah. Ken, I want you to come over here for a minute. I have a toy I want to show you. <laughs> yes. I have a saw for you, Ken. Yep, yep. It's, yep. So on that just terrible note, that is where I'm going to leave you for part one. So we know the significance of her trauma. And now in part two, I'm going to tell you about what it's like to be abused to this extent and then move on, how you move on. There's a lot of good information about Sabrina and how they parent a child, the the difficulties that come with parenting a child um, that has suffered all of the abuses. Okay. Right. Because no one can expect normalcy. No, no. And they didn't. They didn't. They really do a phenomenal job. Um, And just I'll give you an update on how her life has progressed and also the court case and what went on uh, during that. So that is that's coming in part two. Um, I'm going to give you a brain bath. Oh, God, bathe me, please. Right now. It'll be the first time. Actually, it's not the first time I've bathed you, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're not those kind of friends. I mean, not anymore. Give us enough wine. but. (laughs) We're not opposed to it. It's just not come up recently. Make it a good brain bath, Charnel. I once told Jason, oh, by the way, guys, so Megan and Jason and I are all friends, and we are planning an episode or more where the three of us could be on at the same time, and it it might be its own podcast. It should be highly censored. Highly. We possibly need a supervisor. <laughs> yes. I don't even we know. We need a mediator. We do. I think. We do, yes. But um, where the fuck was I going with that? Oh, I had Our originally. Brain bath. Yeah, I had originally told um, Jason, I'm like, oh, we should do a brain bath episode with Megan. We could just all bathe together. 
And I just left it hung in and hang in the air That's like that. Perfect. We'll all just bathe together, Jason. It's fine. He's like, yeah, um, two chicks and me in a bathtub. That's that's not a happened. dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry, so Jason. let's let's uh, give you like stupid criminal stories since you are a judge. Oh my god, I've never heard any of those before. <laughs> I bet you haven't. Never. I bet your days aren't full of anything like this. No, people are always very appropriate when they're committing crimes here. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Please, please share with me the things that I see every day. So this one, uh, so 18-year-old Charles A. Merriweather broke into a home in northwest Baltimore um, on the night of November 22nd, 1978. Okay. Okay. And he horrifically rapes a woman who lives there. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. And then ransacked her house. But this is why I'm covering it on the brain bath section, because- he discovered that she only had $11.50, and he asked her, how do you pay your bills? She replied, by check? And he ordered her to write a check for $30. Oh. And then he changed his mind, and he upped it to 50 And so she's like, okay, who, What's should, your I, name? who should I make it out to? He's, she's a 34-year-old government employee, and he says, Charles A. Merriweather, and said, it better not bounce or I'll be back. He was arrested several hours later. Oh, Charles, no. <laughs> Who shall I make it out to? You know she had to have been like, Are you oh, damn, I got it. I, yeah, right? yeah, like I got it. So you've this. been through a horrific experience. It, you know, it's been awful. Absolutely. He's trying to rob you of your $11. And 50 cents <laughs> in cash. And then has a full-blown fucking conversation with you. He wants to know how she pays her bills. By check. Let me write you a check. I do it by check. See, now we uh-huh. can just do a money transfer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Venmo your, me. What's your PayPal, yeah. man? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll just Venmo you. True story, when I was in Nashville, a bathroom attendant was lovely, and I didn't have any cash on me because I keep it did in my husband's pocket. Did you Venmo her pockets. tip? Sure did. She's like, I have Venmo. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm Venmoing you right now. I, I was, love that. I was her first Venmo customer. Oh. Later... The next day, I was like, what's this Venmo charge? Oh. Who is this woman? <laughs> and I realized, ooh, yeah, oh. lovely bathroom attendant. But that bitch had everything in there. A razor, deodorant. People were coming in and saying. Perfume. Oh, she had it all. She had Deodorant? She had cigs. Condoms? Yes. Feminine yes, she products. did. Yes, she did. She had cigs? She had cigs. And people were buying them two bucks a stick. Fuck yeah. I know. She's genius. She was absolutely genius. She deserved the tip. And I, when I was in there peeing, just in the time it took me to pee, three people came down and said, I heard you've got deodorant. I love that. Because you know they're dancing. It's yeah. Nashville. Like, they're dancing. They're jamming. They're probably looking to hook up. You can't take the hot drummer home if you smell. You cannot. I mean, that's nope. what and the station attendants for. Yes. Brilliant. Yep, it sure was. We also, was here. that bathroom was At the cleanest court. bathroom I've ever ever had we do need those in court right. yes yes all public restrooms should have a, a paid lovely bathroom, right. bathroom attendant and mm-hmm. and you, they just work on tips yep. or i have a lot of people right now on probation that are looking for jobs <gasps> it's a perfect perfect solution megan i think yes. so yes thank you i think you should offer idea. that and they can just sit and have delightful conversations i'm telling you i have not had a more delightful conversation with someone in a long time until now of course in a bathroom nights ba- oh especially not in a bathroom yeah and i'm usually very bladder shy but she made me feel so at home it came out no problem oh this is true you do have some issues with that i do i really do she did make you feel comfortable yep, cuz there i was could have been the alcohol in but all your glory 
It really, hey, if you've never been to Nashville, they, oh, they're I not have. paying me for this, but go. Oh, no, I have. It's awesome. I had, I had a so very good fun. time there from what I From recall. what you remember. Yes, that's basically how mm. mine went as well. But I do remember that bathroom attendant and that clean, clean bathroom. So let me tell you another one, though. Okay. How about um, on the night of August 22nd, or excuse me, 23rd, I don't know where I got the other two from, 1980, a well-organized gang of thieves began their raid on the safe of a leisure center office in Sussex, Sussex, excuse me, Sussex, it is Sussex, by stealing a speedboat. A leisure center? Yes, a leisure center in Sussex. They stole a speedboat. They were using water skis to paddle across the lake. Lake. They picked up their equipment. It's more like reading is difficult. It's my first time. (laughs) Well, when you memorize everything. I know. It 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 does make that skill less. Sure. That part of your. What the fuck am I trying to say? Your brain has regressed. (laughs) It has. Let's it's also you. late at night. Everyone should know it's late at night. It? And so we're slapping. For me, oh. it's 9.07. <laughs> oh, good God, Doris. It's not that late. <laughs> Doris. My God. You're right. Can, that's just a thing now. When we, we're making fun of someone, they're just Doris. Right. I like that, too. All right. So they steal so a speedboat. They stole a speedboat. Wearing water skis to paddle across the lake, they picked up their equipment and paddled onto the office. However, what they thought were cutting tools turned out to be welding gear, and they soon managed to seal the safe completely shut. Wait, oh my God. They think they're cutting into the safe and they're welding it shut? Yep. yep. Oh my fucking God. Yep. This whole time, they thought they were busting in to this safe. Yep. So, can I just throw They were out making there? it more secure. They were. There's... There's a significant difference between welding tools and cutting. Can you see me staring at this thinking, did I miss something? But no, that's exactly what it says. They thought they were cutting tools, but it turned out to be welding gear. You know, all I can think right now is for charging purposes. They might have just done the most brilliant, ridiculous (laughs) thing ever because there are separate charges for safe breaking and also for being in possession of burglar's tools. And I don't know. <laughs> They're not, they were they able, didn't do either one of those things. They accomplished neither. No. Right? So there's an attempt but, and a conspiracy. Yeah. Yes. They were trying to get into the safe of the leisure center, but they did steal a speedboat and used water skis to paddle across the lake. So I, I will say okay. there was some thievery in, in that, the speedboat and the skis and whatnot. And they used those, you know, they got all that equipment to get into that safe of that leisure center. And that equipment was welding gear. So must be they thought that, like, they've watched Ocean's Eleven too much, even though this was 1980, so it was way before Ocean's Eleven, but James Bond maybe, too much, and thought that those, uh, whatever that hell, the heat tool is that legitimately melts metal to open it, that's what they thought they were doing. I'm I'm sure. God bless their hearts. No, but they were just making it more secure. Oh, the next morning it took the office staff an hour to hammer and chisel the safe open again. I mean, it had done damage to it, you know. This but is not- when you your- time to go home. Yeah. We have just arrived. We have just arrived. We can't get into the safe. It is welded shut. Sure is. Don't know who did that. <laughs> Don't know who wanted to make it more secure, but mission accomplished. Oh, fuck this. I'm going home. Yes. Yep, exactly. Let's see. Oh, how about the worst lawyer? This one's titled The Worst Lawyer. Oh, I love that you thought of me when you read that. <laughs> 
35-year-old Marshall George Cummings Jr., I like it of course already. he has I all like those names, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, was charged with attempted robbery in connection with a pure snatching. It, a it says, purse? It says pure. <laughs> there may be a typo. I'm what? not even drunk-eyed. It says pure, P-U-R, a pure snatching at the shopping center on October 14th, 1976. It means purse. I'm sure it does. During the trial of- Wait, he's an attorney and he snatched a purse? He was charged with attempted robbery in connection with this purse snatching, yeah. During the trial the following January, Cummings chose to act as his own attorney, because it's always a good idea. Well, if you are one. And while cross-examining the victim, Cummings asked, Did you get a good look at my face when I took your purse? I love it. (laughs) This can't be real. This is so... I have had cases like that. Are you sure it was me... That stole that officer, and he said yes. And he said, "How did you know?" And he goes, "Cause I was looking at your face." <laughs> Legit, this <laughs> happens. It's a real thing. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> did you get a good look at my face when I took your purse? And you know, all I can think of <sighs> is if he had to steal a purse, is he the attorney in the case in Texas that only got paid six hundred and fifty dollars? <laughs> Perhaps. Because this is Oklahoma. They're close, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Could be. Could be. He later decided. Please read it again. Read the quote again. I just have to hear it. He asked, did you get a good look at my face when I took your purse? I love it. Can you imagine? You're the judge sitting there at this point in time. I think I'd be like, sir. (laughs) And can you imagine being the victim where he's like, yes, I'm also looking at you right now. I got a good look at your face then and now. Just crying a little. Go ahead and finish. Well, he later decided that he was going to go ahead and turn his case over to a public defender. Weird. But it was too late. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison for purse snatching. Like it. Does it say Oklahoma purse Oklahoma doesn't fuck around. No. Actually, it doesn't. It d- it's because continues to say pure snatching. It doesn't really. A purse snatching, that is that is armed Robbery or burg I mean, if oh, Ten wait, he wasn't armed. It didn't say anything about him being armed. I just said attempted robbery in connection with a pure okay. snatching. So ours would be like a larceny in a building, which is a 10-year. But is, are we missing? Is pure standing for something else? Were they trying to snatch a human? Pure snatching. Pure snatching. No, it's got to be purse. I would think that it was a typo by This is the- Oklahoma. Do they have a noun there that we I, don't have? Guys, tell us. Right? Are you from Oklahoma and Do what is a pure? Do you know what a pure snatching is? Because we, we, it has to be purse. I mean, because it's one, it's just missing the S. So, but I can't believe he got 10 years in prison for that. Oklahoma doesn't play. No, I don't think. You don't rob people there. No, I don't think that would happen here with current sentencing guidelines. That's not what Judge Megan is. given. I mean, maybe I'm assuming he's a first-time offender because he's an attorney, but that could be completely wrong. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God, there's another Oklahoma one, too. Dennis Newton was on trial in 1985 for armed robbery in Oklahoma City. And his attorney, Larry Jones, asked one of the witnesses, the supervisor of the store that had been robbed, to identify the robber. When she pointed to the defendant, Newton jumped to his feet, accused the witness of lying, and said, I should have blown your fucking head off. Oh, my God. I love that, too. After a moment of stunned silence, he added, if I'd been there, that's what I would have done. Good cover. Good cover. He got 30 years in prison. Motion to strike my comment, Your Honor. (laughs) Why? Because it's prejudicial. (laughs) 
<laughs> ruins my whole defense. My whole defense. I Go on. Uh, you have 30 years? 30 years. But that was an armed This was robbery. armed robbery. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. one was bad. I'm, but I'm saying Oklahoma, man. You don't fuck no, with those Oklahomians. Don't fuck around. Is that what they call themselves? Oklahomans? Oklahomans. I said homians. I like homian too. <laughs> Again, well, if you're from Oklahoma and we have insulted you, please let us know. Also, just please don't be insulted because right. But here there's Michiganders. We are. But I've heard people refer to us as Michiganians mm-hmm. too. Oh, I have right. I have listeners from Massachusetts. They're like, yeah, we call ourselves mass holes. Oh, and I love that. That is it's brilliant. Oh, we it. need something like that for Michigan because Michiganders does not encompass all of us. I have. I know some people from Massachusetts and I agree with their statement. Right. They're mass holes. I love, I love it. Yeah, me Perfect. too. Oh, guys. All right. Well, make sure if you're a Patreon, jump on over to your part two because you get it right away if you'd like to join patreon the link is in the show notes of this episode feel free or you can go to crime curious uh, patreon.com slash crime curious you can find us and join there um very reasonable rates to be able to you know skip ahead to the next episode i agree i'm a very recent subscriber and it's yes yes you've been binging on all of the episodes that you've been missing this whole time and didn't even know it i have lots of content there for you to binge guys also follow me on social media interact with me send me case suggestions crimecurious at yahoo.com or or to any of the social media messaging platforms um i'm not as great with the twitter I'm really working on it. I don't tweet. If I if you ever see something that doesn't seem right, it's because I'm an old lady trying to operate Twitter. And write me and let me know I've done it wrong. You need to have one of your kids. I'm going to accidentally post a nude on there or something and not know. That's what I'm scared and of. And I hear, I hear that there's not an unsend feature yeah. like on other platforms. But see, I, I don't, don't even know that. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was unaware. I made God. it up. Possibly. Could you imagine if my jugs were out there for the world to see forever? I mean, I oh. feel like... This is the reason that we were born in the era that we were. Yes. I'm six years older than you. We'll throw that out there. Yeah, but, but still, there weren't social media platforms for a reason, so that we would all have the jobs that we do now. Yes, yes, that's true. That is a good point. I'd like to keep that one, though, so I don't oh, want to accidentally put my jugs on Twitter. On the other hand, your fan base would exponentially <laughs> increase. Just <laughs> personal opinion. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. on that note i'll talk to you guys next time megan will come back for part two as well i'm hoping i'm basically making her so she'll be here too and until next time everyone bye-bye bye-bye